Hi, I'm William Earnhardt, and I am here to share with you the punishment of the wicked in the light of the cross. The wicked will be destroyed by fire. The punishment will be everlasting, but the punishing will not. The punishment is death. That's everlasting. The punishing, which is the being tormented in fire, will not be eternal. The wicked will die instead of being tormented for all eternity. See John 3.16 where it says that whosoever believes in him should not perish, not burn forever and ever in hell. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death, not eternal torment in hell. Obadiah 1.16 tells us the wicked will be as though they had never been. And Matthew 10.28, as well as Ezekiel 18 verse 4 and verse 20, tell us the soul that sins will die. Why is it important to know the truth about the punishment of the wicked? I have a friend who's involved in a prison ministry that visits a juvenile detention center. My friend was telling me that they had recently shared the truth about hell with the young men there. My friend said the chaplain at the jail got very upset with him for letting the young men know that the punishment of the wicked is not for eternity, but rather is death just like the Bible says in John 3.16 and Romans 6.23. The reason the chaplain did not want them to know the truth about the punishment of the wicked was because he wanted the fear of being tormented for all eternity to motivate them to behave. But friends, we saw in a previous study on obedience in the light of the cross that our motive for obeying God is not the fear of punishment. It's love. God is love and his love awakens love in our hearts and we follow him out of love, not fear of being tormented for all eternity. The teaching of people being tormented through all eternity is the most satanic false doctrine of all. It totally misrepresents the love and character of God, making it impossible to know and love him the way he loves and knows us. Will Barron, in his uh, book, Deceived by the New Age, talks about the fact that realizing that people will not be tormented for all eternity actually helped him believe in God because he couldn't believe in a God who would torment people through all eternity. This is why it's important to understand the punishment of the wicked in the light of the cross. Many churches use hell and fear as a motivation for doing good because they do not properly understand the love motivation. They do not understand the depths of Christ's sacrifice in dying the eternal death. They make the cross out to be a, peer, a mere pain endurance marathon instead of seeing a savior who is actually willing to say goodbye to life forever in order to save the world. 
When the early church saw the depths of Jesus' love and sacrifice, it turned the whole world upside down, meaning, <coughs> meaning it changed everything. It was God's love that constrained, empowered, and motivated them. This love is the only motivation that will actually succeed. Galatians 5.6 talks of a faith that works by love, not fear of punishment. In John 14.15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Not, if you don't want to go to hell, you better keep my commandments. We must uplift the cross and the truth about the cross like never before. Young men and juvenile sinners and people everywhere else need to know that there is a God who did way more than suffer for six hours on a cross. He faced the second death for them. He loved them more than he loved his own life. He loved them so much that when tempted to come down from the cross and go back to heaven, he chose to die instead. Simply put, Jesus stayed on the cross for the young men in that juvenile detention center because the thought of heaven without them was hell to Jesus. When the love motivation, when the love motivation receives its due power, it will accomplish so much more than the fear motivation invented by men. Some people quote John 3:16 all the time while preaching of an eternal torment of sinners, while the verse clearly says those who do not believe will perish instead of being tortured throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. So for further study on the punishment of the wicked, let's go to John 3.16. And we're going to see here, what is the opposite of eternal life? Is it eternal torment or is it perishing? John 3.16 reads, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Those who don't believe perish. They are not tortured for all eternity. God did not kick Eve out of paradise just because she took a piece of fruit she was told not to. The serpent told lies about God's love and interest in Eve's welfare that Eve and all mankind bought into. When Eve stopped believing in God's love, she stopped believing in her only source of life. At the cross, Jesus died for our sin of unbelief, and when we believe again in his love, we gain back the life we lost when we stopped believing in his love. This is the message of John 3.16. Let's take a look now at Romans 6.23. What is the wage of sin? What is the wages of sin? Romans 6.23 reads, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Note, the wages of sin is not eternal torment in hell. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 reads, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, that's Romans 6.23. I was talking to a, a lady a while back that said that the, the body might die in hell, but the soul lives forever. 
Well, let's take a look at Ezekiel 18, verse 4. And I, by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And Ezekiel 18, verse 4 reads, For all people are mine to judge, both parents and children alike. And this is my, is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. So the whole person dies. In the King James Version, it says the soul who sins will die. So there we see both the body and the soul die, perish, according to John 3.16 and Romans 6.23, and here in Ezekiel 18, verse 4. Let's take a look at Revelation 21, verse 12. How long does the devil have? Revelation 21, verse 12 reads, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has a little time. Revelation 12, 12. So Satan has a little time left to exist. He's not going to be running hell. You know, people have this idea that Satan is running hell while Jesus is running heaven. No, Satan won't be running hell. Satan will be going to hell. And after being destroyed in hell, he will exist no more. That's why it says in Revelation 12, 12, he has but a little time. Let's take a look at Ezekiel 28. 18 through 19. Ezekiel 28, 18 through 19 reads, You defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and your dishonest trade. So I brought fire out from within you, and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All who knew you are appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end and you will exist no more. Ezekiel 28, 18 through 19. This is uh, talking about Satan, about Lucifer. And it says, you will exist no more. All right, so it's not talking about being tortured for all eternity. It's talking about him existing no more. You know, the Bible does talk about an eternal fire, but you know what? I can put a marshmallow in a fire, and after the fire burns up the marshmallow, the marshmallow's gone, but the fire keeps burning. So just because the fire is eternal doesn't mean the punishing is eternal. Hebrews 12.28 tells us our God is a consuming fire. And yes, God is eternal. God is the eternal fire. And his presence will be heaven to those who love him and hell to those who hate him. And they will be destroyed by that eternal fire. But they will not be tortured for all eternity. The punishment, death, is eternal. The punishing, the fire, is not as a matter of fact, in uh, Matthew 10, 28, we see what happens to both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10, 28 reads, 
Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10, 28. So here we see again, the entire soul and body perish in hell and will be no more. In Malachi 4, 1 through 3, it tells us what will be the end of the wicked. Malachi 4, 1 through 3 reads, The Lord of heaven's army says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, Malachi 4, 1 through 3. So here we see that there will be nothing left of the wicked, nothing but ashes. Let's take a look at Revelation 20, verse 14. What does the lake of fire stand for? Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. Revelation 20, verse 14. The lake of fire is death, not living through eternal torment. Just like we saw in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Just like we saw in John 3.16, whosoever believes in me should not perish. But what is God's promise? In Revelation 21, 3-4, John writes, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Revelation 21, 3 through 4. How, how could John say there's no more crying or pain if people are still being tortured? This is after the wicked are destroyed in the hellfire. There is nothing left of them. They exist no more, as it says in Obadiah 1.16, and there will be no more pain, no more sorrow. Can we trust this promise? In Revelation 21 verse 5, it reads, and the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Revelation 21.5 Friends, our God is a God of love. Our God is not a psychopath saying, You love me or I'll torture you for all eternity and you'll wish you had have loved me. That is not a God of love. That is a psychopath. And that is why it is so important that we understand the Bible teaching of the punishment of the wicked in the light of the cross and the light of God's love.
God does not want anyone to perish, but he gives us free choice. And so if we reject life, then he lets the fire come. Again, his presence, he is the devouring fire. In Hebrews 12, 28, his presence will be heaven to those who love him and it will be hell to those who hate him. But when we understand the true character of God and that he is love and not some psychopath wanting to torture us for all eternity, but when we understand that he is love, we can't help but fall in love with him. And that's why it's so important that we understand the punishment of the wicked in the light of the Bible and in the light of God's love. I hope this has helped you understand God's love in wanting to save us, not wanting to torture us for all eternity. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at racer3 at gmail.com. That's, you spell out the three, so it's R-A-C-E-R-T-H-R-E-E at gmail.com. Again, I would love to hear from you. God bless you.